Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Mariner East 2 by a Paramount A Love Supreme, sometimes referred to as A-Pals, featuring my friend Mitchell Bollinger on drums. I had a great time chatting with Mitchell. Give it a listen. So I am from Wilmington, Delaware, a um, little bit more specifically Pike Creek, Delaware. Um, it's like Delaware has three counties, uh, it's the second smallest state, and I'm in the top county. It's kind of like, uh, let's say around like 45 minutes to 50 minutes from Philly, so kind of the Philly metropolitan area. Um, yeah, so I grew up there, um, kind of outside the city of Wilmington, which is the biggest city in Delaware. Um, and my family, uh, I have uh, a mom and a dad. They're both uh, nurses. They work at a local hospital. Uh, my dad is a flight nurse, so he flies in a helicopter. He's like an emergency nurse. And my mom started off as a nurse, and then uh, she ended up going back to school, and she works as like an administrator now at the hospital. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're both, uh, neither of them are like musicians, but definitely music lovers, uh, very much, uh, people who inspired me and showed me a lot of music. My dad has like a huge record collection, CD collection. Um, and my mom's, uh, older sister was actually the manager of CBGBs in New York. Well, so, um, I, from a really young age had like, yeah, I mean, my uncle played in like a bunch of power pop bands in like the 70s and 80s. And um, he was actually my drum teacher and my guitar teacher. So from an early age, my family has very much been like, I mean, like, for example, my uncle, like he was telling me about like seeing Glenn Branca live when I was like, like 10. I, you know, he was like telling me about like, you know, like no wave music when I was like a kid. <laughs> so from an early age, just like, you know. Uh, and like, I think through my uncle, my dad found out about a lot of stuff too. So it's always kind of been like music knowledge and liking kind of more 
underground stuff has been like, you know, kind of like a virtue, I guess. Yeah. And um, as far as siblings, I have one older sister. She's uh, three years older than me. I'm 27, so she's 30. Um, and um, we have a lot of similar music tastes. So even though I was the younger one, I kind of blazed my own trail a little bit. And I think I really, if anything, was showing her more music than she was showing me music. So, yeah, I think that about answers your question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what what um what other things were you into as a kid, like other than music? Um, so really music was a thing that I kind of didn't really start doing until maybe I was like nine or ten. But I was always really into art, um, just like drawing, like visual art stuff. And that was like. <laughs> You know, I always wanted to go to art school when I was a kid. Um, I have an older cousin who's like eight years older than me. Who like he was like, he went to like art school. He wanted to be like comic book artist and very much, you know, just like a really artistic person. And so both me and my sister growing up, we just loved to draw. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that kind of started my like uh, artistic kind of thinking. And from there, um, it kind of just started playing drums at the age of like eight or nine yeah. and um i was always in like choir and stuff through like my school and through like church and stuff and i grew up that's a another point which has ties into a lot of my music le- learning about music and kind of getting into heavy music in general was um i went to christian school like a private christian school f- for since like kindergarten to 12th grade and i grew up in the church very much so so that really informed me getting into metalcore and various other things like christian metalcore like first off yes yeah yeah so that i would say like my biggest my my first introduction to heavy music really um would have been through like tooth and nail records yeah it was solid state so like you know like norma jean devil wears prada like he's legend uh like showbread under oath amory like 90 pound wuss like i don't know like all that kind of crazy stuff mm-hmm. which i would have you know i think just because it was like um something that like kids at my school were into and it was seen as cool and there were definitely was like a metal core scene like a big you know there was a a venue down the street from me growing up called the harmony grange which was uh you know kind of like a call it like a like a vfw hall kind of similar uh-huh and um a lot of those metalcore bands, I mean, every like MySpace band call it came through there. So, um, you know, from that, I found out about like just an insane about, amount of bands and specifically like heavy music, kind of like post hardcore kind of stuff too, and pop punk kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, that that like Cornerstone Fest like scene oh, yeah. was like huge back then. Like, um, it, it's wild. Like I, you know, there, there, I don't really know. Like I, I never like got super into that scene in particular. Like I know like a lot of the bands that you mentioned, of course, like, mm-hmm. um, Emery and Under Oath and stuff like, of course. uh, you know, but, um, I, I, you know, when you're saying like Norma Jean and stuff, I didn't like, I didn't even realize they were like, are were they a Christian band or? Yeah, they so their oh, first. I didn't even know that. Their first two albums. One is uh, "Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child." The second one is 
Oh God, the aftermath. Yes, yeah, it feels real dumb that I asked that yeah. question now. When you you're yeah. like, did you did you like know the yeah. names of their album? <laughs> yeah, and like them specifically, Norma Jean was like the first band that like for whatever reason it just like the name stuck with me. And like you know, I grew up in like an era where like from a very early age, I found out how to illegally download music. Mm-hmm. So. I just, you know, typed, I knew there were older kids in my school who had like, you know, straightened hair and wore like white belts and stuff. And they liked that stuff. And I thought they were cool. So I just, you know, I downloaded it. Mm-hmm. And from there, it kind of was just like, oh, like, this is what like, this is what heavy music is like. Plus it had the thing of it being Christian. So I didn't feel like it wasn't like devil music, you know, which is at a young age, I think. Not not for my parents at all, because they weren't really like that. But from like my school environment, it was really like looked down upon to be like from the adults in my life, I guess, mm-hmm. to be into that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of having it be like, oh, well, this is a Christian band was like kind of a nice thing, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like I had like the opposite thing because I did not have a good uh, experience with like religious structure and my like I was I was. um I was like abused by people at my uh church like um mm. like they they would like just hit us and stuff like they Jeez. Didn't, yeah um but um and 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 so I by that like measure I when I was young it was me and my friend like trying to play like the Molly Crew record backwards. And yeah. Get a message. <laughs> like we were like just yeah, I, I way get that opposite for sure. end. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and my like, yeah, I, I mean, no, no one like listens, no one in my family like listens to this, I'm sure. But like, yeah, we did break Javier's dad's record player doing that. <laughs> like, so, you know, I'm fessing That's up so to funny. that now. But um, yeah, and, it, but it was just weird too because like my dad is not, really like my dad is like religious in as much as he's like it's possible you know yeah that's like about it he's like he's it's kind of like i think he kind of like believes that a god could exist so he just is trying not to piss him off yeah that's like his general general philosophy but like i remember listening to like um i remember listening to like Metallica albums and my dad being like that devil music and I'm like you don't fucking care like that's so funny yeah you sent us to you sent us to like Sunday school because it was like free babysitting like you didn't, <laughs> well that's you don't care true. you know uh, but yeah it's like quite quite a different experience but I could see how like you you know you're like you, you know when you're young especially and you like you hear something with all this energy but then you're like also like I won't catch flack about this either. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, like, luckily it never really came from my parents because, like, even though, like, you know, my parents are Christian, like, my dad is, like, oh, my dad's a musician. He played trumpet as a kid, and he can play bass. And, like, you know, we, when I first learned how to play drums, like, we were jamming on Metallica songs together. Yeah. Like, so, like, you know, it was always, like, I was really lucky that I had, like, Oh, I think my dad thought it was cool that I was so into it, you know? So, like, he tried to, like, do stuff with me. And, like, one of the first songs I remember, like, jamming on was, you know, uh, what's the name of the song? It's, it's like, not like a, like a deep Metallica cut. It's off the Black Album, uh, Enter Sandman. Oh, okay. Like, my dad figured out how to play that, 
like the bass riff of it and then like put the distortion on on his bass amp and like that was like my first experience like playing heavy music so that's, it was like, really know, it was cool. a cool thing that that was like fostered in my house yeah yeah i'm i'm i am um i'm like notoriously against that album and everything that came after it but like <laughs> yeah like, i mean it's it's something but no i know i th- i think that's a great that's a great experience and like a great memory that you have there cuz like yeah, yeah for i mean sure. that's i don't know you know my my um my dad always like now like you know we had a very strange relationship for a long time and but now uh then once once his mom died like we kind of reconnected and he he kind of he was like you know a lot of things i did were not very cool and we yeah i was in a position where i needed uh someone to be there for me and he was there for me and in a way that he never was when i was little you know so like Mm -hmm. uh we were able to like sort of you know uh patch things up to a degree and um now we chat time to time and he's he really wants me to do this thing where like people like jam online and I'm like <laughs> I I just I'm not a jam I like I'm not a jam type person. Like you I can understand I mean? that. Like yeah. I have like songs, you know, that I that I yeah. have, have written or I have like parts that I you know, and but I'm not I don't know, you know. Like I'm like I think like uh, <laughs> like hardcore as a genre in general and all of the various I mean there there are certain jam aspects of it but especially when it's more like chaotic hardcore stuff that's going to be like like mathier or something it's not really like a jam vibe yeah I mean you, you yeah. maybe like more post hardcore stuff like I don't know like Fugazi kind of that's super jammy but that's just like jam band hardcore basically yeah, the only thing, the only time when I can say that I really was involved in something that was way different, but oh, excuse me, but it, but it actually is it was like jamming in nature was Body of Wasps. Like, but okay. we took like nine months to write those eight songs, so it's like it it was a good experience, and like I'm glad to have like um, had. I mean, really, like, I'm glad to ha- have had nine months of doing that with my friends, you know? Oh, yeah, for but, sure. But, like, I don't need that to, like, make a record every time, you know? I don't, yeah. like, like, y- like you, you know, you, you probably, you know, just get with people and, and they have some parts and you sort of start feeling out how they're going to work together. And then in a, in, a, in a practice, you can have a song. You know, yep. and that's much more what I'm used to instead of like same where we would literally like, you know, I would have like a riff and people would have like they were really meticulous about they wanted to feel it out, you know, so we'd play like just the same thing for long periods of time. And and, and that was much more uh, jam in that structure than I was ever or hopefully, you know, I'm like now I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like. Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon, you know, I'm not too old for this shit, but I might, <laughs> I might be too old for that shit, you know? That might be, like, I'm like, I got, like, Satan to cook, uh, so yeah. can we just, like, put this song together? It's a process together? for sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's really cool. So, like, you started on drums? Yeah, so I, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I I was doing like singing from an early age, oh, just right, because you choir. Yeah, there was always like choir and stuff, and that was like a, later on. I did like theater in high school, so singing. And I was in I, when I was in college, I was in like a touring choir that was like more like academic music. So definitely have like a background in that. But as far as like my first instrument, it was the drums, and that's that's still to this day I would say my favorite and most practiced instrument but i consider myself a multi-instrumentalist like i i can play like piano guitar bass like pretty much most things Mm -hmm. um and drums are the only one i ever had lessons in um i i had a little bit of guitar lessons like uh towards the time i graduated um because i was i was uh, gonna i was applying to music school and i was working on audition stuff for drums and it was kind of a thing where my uncle was like he was my music teacher um kind of at like the end of the lessons he'd be like all right we'll do like a little bit of guitar because i was already i kind of started playing guitar as like a vessel for writing Mm because i was always the drummer in bands and kind of still am um and i always wanted to write music and it was like you know they didn't want to listen to the drummer and i couldn't express my ideas Mm -hmm. so really playing guitar was like a a vessel for that and during these practices my uncle kind of just taught me like this is the blues scale this is the major scale this is the minor scale which i knew like from like an, a music theory standpoint but just like kind of the positions and stuff like that and that's really the only like formal guitar training i've had but you know like being into music and trying to figure out how to play songs that you like from bands is like if you're if you if it's intuitive enough for you, it's like a pretty good way to learn guitar. You know, there's tabs out there and stuff. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I it's it's wild. Like I, I I I can read tab, but I just I don't I hate it. Like, I hate it too. <laughs> I yeah, like um, I will I will sit and figure out like a song like you know um we just did that covers comp and so i i was learning a few songs and so i'm like singing and learning them from by ear and and it's like you know i've been playing guitar forever and it's like it sounds right it's it's not quite all the way there you know or whatever i i feel like i'm missing something right so i'll look up a a tab and i'm like this is what i'm playing you know yeah like (laughs) And, and tabs are wrong all the time, yeah, too. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, so if I am missing something, like, I figured out as well as anyone else did, like, what... Exactly. You know? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, in in some in some cases, you know, I think when it sounds like you're, you're, mi- you're missing something from, like, and if you've, you know, if you research it, like, uh, a bit or whatever, like... It's it's actually probably just like a combination of like the recording technique and the mixing, like yep. just sort of melding sounds in a way that like it makes makes these like uh, other like I, I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean? Like I know what you're talking about. It's like, it's like if you could isolate the track, maybe it would sound different. But it's like weird overtones and like all yeah, the things mixed together. It's totally. like you know, it's totally. like I know just from like having played in bands and knowing what certain parts are and it's like you hear the recording you're like huh kind of like came through differently than i would expect it and uh-huh. it's like for someone trying to to learn that without the context of it you know yeah. easily but i kind of think that that's like 
almost the beauty of it too, because it's like, and especially when like learning covers or something like that, it's like, it's kind of like your interpretation of it, you mm-hmm. know? And like, I think for me, like, because I was self-taught, like, I would like look at tabs and I'd be like, oh, wow, I'm playing this like extremely inefficiently. Yeah, And I yeah. think that was one thing that I'm like, oh, you can just like go up instead of like, <laughs> instead of just like going all the way up the neck, you can just like go up the strings. And like, that was like a big thing for me because I just never thought that way because, you know, I, I why would you? I mean, maybe some people do, but I, I guess it was not intuitive enough yeah. for me. Yeah. But. Yeah, I always feel like, I'm definitely making it too hard on myself. From doing like these covers comps like every year, my biggest takeaway is like, is that like, uh, like, you know, you, I don't know. I sometimes it feels like a band is thinks that they can make the original song better than it is. Yeah. And you're like, why are you playing this song if you think you can make it better? Like you're supposed to exactly. play the song because you love the song, and that yeah. doesn't mean don't change it or do your own thing because you should. But like. The big thing for me was I had to be like, I had to be like when I would get obsessed about a certain thing, like the way a, a drummer nailed like a certain fill or whatever. I like, I'd be like, is this fill like really important to that part of the yeah. song? You know, like, um, how does it serve it? Yeah, yeah, etc. Yeah. Et yeah. But in the end, I also had to be like, I'm supposed to be doing this for fun. Like, I'm yeah. not supposed to be like. <laughs> going like pulling my hair out over it you know yeah so so um, it can be like that sometimes too trying to learn <laughs> covers yeah yeah i mean especially like block party like those so- oh yeah what, what songs- song did you do by block party we did too we did like eating glass and, okay um and 
Oh my goodness. What, uh, little I'm only thoughts. From, I'm little like, thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I'm like a really fake block party fan in the way that I know, mm-hmm. like two songs off of, what is it? Silent alarm, sound the alarm, something like that. Silent alarm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, you know, helicopter or whatever. And then there's yeah. also the, uh, this modern love, I yeah, guess. Yeah. 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 Cause I know they were like, weren't they like, didn't like Steve Aoki have something to do with them originally? Oh, I, and I don't know. I only, I only like just, I know nothing about like their history or whatever. I okay. just like someone, uh, actually I think it was someone in body of wasps was like, okay. Said that this one, jangly like breakdown riff that i was playing sound like block party and i was like well i guess uh, i should listen to them and i started yeah. listening to them and then like two of their records are like flawless but um i'm pretty sure yeah. like maybe like when they first came to america because they're an english band it had something uh-huh. to do with dim mock maybe which is steve aoki's like hardcore label or okay. whatever yeah. so they definitely have some sort of like hardcore cred i guess huh. you could say or connection maybe would be the better word yeah but do not quote me on that. I guess this is a podcast, so I am being quoted on it. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, allegedly know, is the word I used before. Yeah, that. yeah. You're you're also like you're also not being like definitive and st- yeah, that's you're, true. You're not making a <laughs> statement like this is what happened. But, yeah, um, yeah. But like it, it, I don't know. You know, Matt Tong, their drummer on those songs, just like so fast and oh like, yeah, just so precise. Yeah. And I was just like. I am never going to be able to play these songs that well, so I just need to have fun, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so that's really what you should be doing anyway, no matter yeah. if it's other people's songs or your songs. But, you know, I like I lose sight of that as much as anybody. Uh, Absolutely. You actually unearthed the memory of, gosh, I was in a band when I was like 14 or 15, and... I was the youngest one in the band and we started off just doing covers. And one of the songs we tried to do was, I guess the song helicopter by block party. And I remember the guitarist learned the riff and I was like, I was like, sure. Like I know this song, I can play it. And like immediately I was like, Oh my gosh, this song is way <laughs> too hard and I'm never going to learn how to play this. Yeah. Cause like we were playing like songs by like the clash and like, I don't know. It was nothing like too crazy. Like, the hardest song I remember playing was like Lost in the Supermarket because it had like a weird 16th note swing or something. And that was like hard. But like doing like, because there's like some weird, like odd metered things in the Black mm-hmm. Party songs. And I was just like, I mean, yeah, at the time I was like, this is too much for me. Yeah. When you hear it, you're just like, oh, this just bops along. Like you're just like, mm, bop, mm, bop, mm, bop. Yeah. And then you're like, it's no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. What the, What did I sign up for? You know? Yeah. And, They're uh, definitely good musicians, for yeah. sure. I would say like a super underrated band. Yeah, especially at that time. I don't think that. Yeah. I am not sure if the original bass player is with them anymore, and I definitely know that, that Matt Tong is not the drummer anymore. Yeah, is, they have a definitely lineup changes. Because I remember they put out music kind of recently. I was like, oh, I remember liking this band. And just even like looking at, well, I think they sounded a lot different. Oh, and, they sound way different. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and I think not it's, really something that. Yeah, it's not me, it's guess. not for me. Like I listened to it and I was like, this is fine. Like if if it was a I mean it's their band, so y'all yeah. do what you want to do. I can do, always you know? appreciate like but, musicians for having like artistic expression doing what they want to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean it, I'm just like I have this like idea of like these two records being the way they are and then like I almost I'm just like, well, it's 
it's different people and it's 10 plus years later or whatever. I mean, it's going to sound different, but, um, yeah, but that's, yeah, that's wild. You were also <laughs> at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's like... so funny because I had not thought about that. And I mean, this would have been like 2007 maybe. Mm-hmm. So quite a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so, you you know, you said that like oh, – excuse me. Excuse me. You said you had some like the drum training from your uncle. And you said other than a little bit of guitar – um, you didn't really have like any training, but does that like since you were in like the touring like vocal choir, I'm assuming that you've had a fair bit of like vocal training, like or was it um, was it less training and just like sing these songs? Um, I think it was more just like so. I kind of like uh, it really like the way that I kind of started singing was so I went to a really I think I mentioned before I went to like a, a Christian school it was really small mm-hmm. um and it was one of those things where it was like my sister was a senior when I was a freshman and um the theater department was like oh there were just no guys to do those things so my sister knew that I could sing and I was never one to be like I'm gonna sing out loud in front of people just because like, I always knew that I could, but, like, it was just something that, like, I never did, so I didn't necessarily have the confidence to do it. And my sister told her friends, like, yeah, Mitchell can sing. Like, so they were, like, basically, like, forced me to do it. Um, so the first year I was just in a play because it kind of – I think it alternated every other year, but my 10th grade year, they did a musical, and I ended up getting the lead – and the musical was High School Musical, which, you know, when you are like the Disney thing. Mm-hmm. So when you're like, you know, a 15 year old who is like not into that and like, you know, like it was like, I don't want to say it was like mortifying that like I got the lead in that, <laughs> but like it was definitely not cool. And I was not like someone who was into that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So, but it was almost like a sense of duty because like, I really liked music and was really involved in my music department at my school. And a lot of the teachers, you know, were like mentors to me. So it was kind of like I would be letting them down if I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So as embarrassing as it was, it forced me to learn like really complicated music. And um, we had a vocal coach and she had like a mental breakdown, I guess, and like quit. So... You know, I knew that it was going to be like four nights of like a sold out musical where I was going to be having to sing all of these songs. So I just like and the vocal coach quit. So I had like rudimentary like music reading skills. So really to not be embarrassing, I like sat down with my keyboard and just like learned every note of it and just like force myself to so that like. And really, like, it, because of doing that, because of, like, being in front of people and, like, it really forced me to gain a lot of confidence and music skills. Um, so by the time I was in college, um, it was, um, I mean, I, I, I was really blessed that in college that, like, a lot of my friends were, like, into DIY music and like that kind of stuff and heavy music and emo and all that kind of stuff. And also really into like 
being musicians and like loving music theory. So it was a thing that like kind of a perfect storm of having that like theater background and like my friends constantly like we would like challenge each other, you know, and be like, oh, like what are these intervals? Like we would do that for fun because like we we all just loved music and it was just like an environment. So really mm-hmm. through like those environments, I kind of just like got good at music theory and figured it out. Um, even though it was not necessarily like a formal setting, more of just like a an interest and as like a means to an end to do the things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like once you've done a four night sold out musical, your thirty person basement DIY shows. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's a and you I was, know, you're yeah. like yeah, exactly. I'm not nervous and at like, all. That music was cool, whereas like the theater thing was not. Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, a... And I'm not, like, dissing musical theater or anything, but that's, like, it's never really been, like, me. It was kind of just, mm-hmm. like, a thing that was thrust upon me. But really, I, I I mean, I think if it wasn't for that, like, I think that I would have maybe been a lot less confident as, like, a young adult and adult in performing. I think it really helped me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, like, a lot of people's... The first show is a is somebody's birthday party or you yep. know whatever and 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 the nerves are already at at eleven you know in a lot of a lot of cases but you had something way bigger that you had to you know uh, push through and then well, after that it's kind of like you know you're probably ready for the the other things um, so you mentioned before that there was like the VFW around the um, place for around the house from where you were living but like yeah um and and that like you were getting into bands when you were like 14 or 15 um but when was like the first time you played a show like in a band that you were in so i was in a band that like so it's kind of like i feel like there needs to be like a little bit of delaware music history okay basically like there was this this place called the Harmony Grange, and like, I want to say it started probably like late '90s, and really the heyday of it would have been when I was like, gosh, like probably like really like pinnacle Grange years was when I was like young. So like you know it was a thing that like I went to a few times, but like by the time I was even old enough to be playing shows. It had like, cause you know, I, I was born in 94. So like, say when I was like 15, it was like 2009. Mm. And like, by that point, like the scene, like my space was kind of not as a thing anymore. It, the, the, the people who did, it was called project unity. It was like a booking collective. And those people were all like a good bit older than me. And like, it really had like devolved to like, I don't want to say devolved because I think deathcore is whatever, but it had become like kind of a deathcore thing. And that was like, not really my scene. And then there was also like, they were trying to do like dubstep nights and like, it really like the scene changed. And it was one of those things where like the cultural shift of like the end of like the MySpace era and the beginning of like the 2010s kind of like, um, I personally was like, a younger kid in a band with some older kids who were like, at least to me, like presented as like objectively cooler than me. And they weren't like into scene stuff, you know, or hardcore or post hardcore 
or like pop punk. They were like really like indie heads, you know? Mm-hmm. So the band that I was in, I, I, so I started, I was in a band playing the drums, um, when I was like 13 and that maybe it was even 12 and that lasted until I was like in 10th grade maybe. So that was like the first band that I was in. And we played at this like performing arts center sometimes. And we actually played, played this like this festival in this town, Middletown. It was like, we opened up for some band that was on like the Madden soundtrack, which was really cool. (laughs) That's But like those kids were like, um, like I said, they were older than me and they were like really into like, like dinosaur junior and like, uh, like neutral milk hotel. And like, you know, they were the people who would like, I would be into like the bands that I was into and they would be like, Oh, that's like not real punk. Like this is real punk. And it'd be like, uh-huh. I don't know, like, like 77 punk kind of stuff, you know? Like, right. So like I, and like, so like, yeah, it was more like, I kind of got like, uh, what's the word? I got like gate kept into like thinking that like, MySpace stuff wasn't as cool for a little bit, mm-hmm. and this was like before my introduction to like, like like '90s emo or like kind of like the more DIY emo that was going on at the time, and like because you know there were bands like around me. There was like a band called My America's Watching Tigers Die. Um, they were like a screamo band from my hometown that you know I was aware of, and like uh, like Joshua Fifer Battle is from Delaware, and mm-hmm. also like Boy Sets Fire. They're also from Delaware. And, like, I was aware of all those bands, but, like, the kids who I thought were cool would, like, talk shit on Voice It's Fire. And it was always, like, kind of like a joke and be like, oh, like, that band really fucking sucks. So, like, I think, like, it was really, like, yeah, it was, like, you know, when, you, when you're in a band with, like, older kids who you think are cool and they're like, nah, this stuff, like, sucks. Like, it, it definitely, like... And it was also a cultural shift around like 2010, 2011. It was like the kind of scene, like call it like emo scene, mall emo kind of thing was dying down. And like, Twinkle. I think a lot of people, yeah, and that's unfortunately like the next chapter. <laughs> and also my introduction to like, to real screamo or scrams or like, yeah, you know, cause by the time I was in like 11th and 12th grade, you know, I'm from right outside of Philly. So it was like, Algernon and snowing and high tide hotel. And like that stuff was like, Oh my gosh, like how are they, how are they doing that on guitar? Cause I was into like, um, what's the name of the band? Uh, actually the, the kids in my bands were the one who showed me, um, I'm trying to think of a math rock, but the band with, uh, Zach Hill in it, uh, Oh, Hella. Hella. Yeah. So yeah. Hella was like a band that I was like, yo, like this is so good. And then I think when I first started to hear like, twinkle emo i was like okay like this is kind of like hella but there's also like emo and i was also into like well there was there was a, a local twinkle emo band um called the pleasure and they were also older than me and i like auditioned to play drums with them and through that i was like i kind of got into like Texas is the reason. And I was already into like the get up kids and like saves Mm -hmm. the day, like kind of the more pop punk emo stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think the twinkle was like the next obvious evolution as far as like my taste. Mm -hmm. See, it's wild because like I'm from Indiana and so there was native and then 
Comer yes. Regalia used to play with the Reptilian all the time. So it was oh, like, I love that band. When you have those two bands, and then and then all these other bands start coming up that want to play similarly, like you're just like y- y'all are fucking up. Like yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, I already that like if you can't like you're not Russ Wagner. Like what what are you yep. doing? Like uh, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. You know. Um, there were, there was, you know, there was a lot of, there were, like you said, you know, snowing and, and Algernon and stuff. Those were like, we played with Algernon once. That was, they were a lot of fun to watch. And, oh yeah, for and, sure. Yeah. They have some really good songs. Um, but yeah, um, you, so you were, you were saying like, you know, you were in that band and, and you played a couple shows like, um, you know, even though like the relationship with, you know, those people that were older than you was a little like tumultuous. Like what was playing those shows like for you compared to like your, you know, high school musical experiences and stuff like, did that feel like, Hey, this is it. Like, this is what I, like, this is the kind of performing that I definitely signed up for. Or? Oh yeah. I mean, it was like, I mean, that was just more, it's more what I wanted to do. And, you know, I think, even though they were definitely gatekeeping me, they were also like cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, it was like getting to hang with them and like, I don't know. We, and like, we started playing original music, you know, mm-hmm. we started off doing covers and like, um, and just like writing songs for the first time and like, or learning songs that other people were writing, I guess. Cause it was not necessarily like a jam environment mm-hmm. like we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know. That was just something that like I knew I always wanted to do. And like, because they were all older than me, um, actually the vocalist and like keyboardist, uh, of the band I was in, uh, he, because he was the oldest in the band, he actually got into Harvard and it was kind of one of those things where it was like, he got a full ride to like the local college, university of Delaware. And you know, we were like, okay, we can keep being a band. And then, when he got into Harvard, it was kind of like, um, yeah, he's going to probably go to Harvard. So we ended up breaking up and not playing anymore. Um, so it was for like a few years. Um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, I went to a really small school. There were kids who were my age who were like, who I even like, you know, I know a lot of kids or adults now who are my age who are around them. But, you know, they went to different schools than me and I didn't really like have an in to that scene. And I also didn't play double bass pedal and I wasn't into death course. So like, oh, right. it's kind of like, that was never something that was like interesting to me, I guess. Um, I mean, I was definitely into metalcore and stuff, but the kind of the death core vibe was, uh, that really is like a, basically it was just kind of not my scene. And, um, but yeah, and I, it wasn't really until I went to college, did I start to meet, like one of my best friends in college, we sat next to each other in like one of the first days of school and he was wearing a snowing t-shirt. And I was like, is that the band snowing? And he's like, yeah, they're like one of my favorite bands. And then another kid I met did mail order for square of opposition, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that label. Yeah. Yeah. We Um, have some releases like that we did with, with them like middle. Yeah. So like, yeah. And then like another one of my friends was like really into screamo and like into like, I don't know, like hardcore and post-hardcore and stuff. And like, really, I didn't, I, I always like kind of 
blazed my own trail musically. Whereas when I went to college, I finally started meeting people that were like playing shows more and like into the DIY scene and not necessarily like through like a death corp pay to play kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, into just like that kind of stuff. And that was like my first introduction to it. Yeah. That's why when you said, when you said like, I didn't play double bass, like, I I just totally forgot that that was like a thing. Oh, yeah. It's like where like bands would be like, we need a drummer that plays double bass. And you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) I still struggle with that as a drummer who is like, you know, I don't want to say like an overused drummer, but like, you know, being it's like if, if a new band starts around here, it's like, oh, well. How many bands is Mitchell in right now? Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how it is. And even now, it's like I just joined a metalcore band. That it's like, yeah, we're probably gonna chip in so Mitchell can get a double bass pedal because, like, I still don't have one and still cannot do it. But like, I would love to learn. I think it would be an interesting like flavor enhancer to my drum skills. But they're also super expensive. first started playing drums again uh the per the person who was playing drums in a project i was involved in like he left his double bass pedal here and um i was just using it to be lazy like (laughs) instead of doing like a double kick on one foot i was just double you know i was just using it to be lazy i was i was not learning i was just going you know, if it if it went boot up, booted up, then I just did it with two feet instead of one. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, yeah. I can see that I'm though. Like, this is why those this is why all those fat wreck drummers like you know have double bass because they're not really like popping out double oh, bass. Yeah. They're just going dap, boot up, dap, boot up. Yeah, especially <laughs> like, for that like kind of D beat ish yeah. kind of pop punk that whatever that is. I mean, some of those guys definitely like, no, they got skills. I'm, I'm just yeah, being, like, you know, facetious, but cause yeah. I grew up as like a, a, an, an early blink One Eighty Two fan. So mm-hmm. I definitely was like Scott Rayner, not Travis Barker. I would say, um, Scott Rayner was like a huge influence on me playing the drums and like, like just like knowing how fast he was playing that without a double bass pedal. It just like, even still to this day, I'm just like, 
Because even like, you know, some bands that are like, like hardcore bands, like, uh, I don't know, like Turning Point or like, even just like, oh, like Gorilla Biscuits, any like kind of like really fast hardcore that's kind of melodic hardcore, like some of those dudes are really just like, I mean, it's insane what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I still don't get it. it. Like, and bands yeah, used to like, play for like 40 minutes. You yeah, know, like, that's, like that's 20 insane now. to me. Yeah, <laughs> 20 at like tops. Yeah. Yeah, and you got like nice, like slow parts in the middle and stuff. They're just like, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> are you ready to click and play for three minutes and do this yeah. like uh, 13 times in a row? Yeah. You're like, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Thanks. Um. I think that um, a lot of people maybe don't realize like how insane it is to like, I don't know, as a drummer who's been playing drums for like almost 20 years, like I still can't do some of those things. And like, I think I'm like, okay, but like really props to like some, some bad 90s skate punk. Cause some of those dudes really can wail. Yeah. 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 No, no doubt. No doubt. Like, and I mean, you know, obviously some, some of some of them did get noticed, like Josh Freese, you know, like yeah. Josh Freese totally went and played with like Nine Inch Nails and, you know, whatever. which is awesome. But yeah, um, <clears throat> but totally. Um, so like, <clears throat> you know, moving ahead a bit, obviously, um, wh- how did you um, <clears throat> how did you meet and start playing with everyone in A Paramount of Love Supreme? So, um. I met all of them probably around, I want to say like 2015, 2016. So I am, I'm older than the rest of the people in a Paramount Love Supreme. Um, so I, I went to school or college rather um, in like central Pennsylvania. So it's pretty far away from where I uh, am from. So um, when I got home from college, I moved back to Delaware and it was really a shame. Cause like when I was in central Pennsylvania, like there were a lot of people who played music and a lot of people who were like into that kind of stuff and, you know, were involved in their scenes at home. But like, it just was like not a thing really. And like at the, my school and like we had to live on campus. So it wasn't like we had houses to have shows at. So, mm-hmm. and we like tried to, there was like attempts, there were zines, there were bands, you know, but like, so it was always like something that like, I kind of felt like I was missing out on, especially because that was like for being into Twinkle Emo. That was like the golden, not the not the golden era. I think that probably would have been a little bit before, but more like the commercial golden era of it. Yeah. So, but really, I think that was probably a blessing in disguise that I was not <laughs> for that. <laughs> but um, so when I moved home, um, like I said, the people, I mean, Drew and a Paramount Love Supreme is a year younger than me, but Liam is um, three years younger than me. And they were in a band. So basically, I, I when I first moved home, I slowly but surely kind of like wormed my way into the music scene there and, and Newark, where I'm from now. And really, like, I was the young guy in like a group of like, I don't know, just like older kind of punky people. And um, slowly but surely, kind of like the next generation started happening and... Um, Everyone in Sad Hound started off in a band called, or Sad Hound. Everyone in a Paramount Love Supreme started off in a an emo band called Sad Hound. So I was um we like played shows together in various other bands I was in. Um so I knew those guys and basically like I 
since like an early age, I um, always was into recording. I knew that like going to studios cost a lot of money. So I knew that like to do it myself was probably the best option. So, you know, I like torrented FL studio when I was like 13 and like um, every like, Christmas or birthday present, I was always like, I need to get like an interface. Like I eventually like saved up and got pro tools. So, um, I was always recording and, you know, at that time I was like kind of getting out of the twinkle emo thing, but the fact that there were like local emo bands, I was like, okay, this is like, they clearly like get something that I get. So, Mm -hmm. um, I ended up asking to record their album. So, um, there, there was another member in that band, um, who basically was kicked out of the band and not someone worth talking about. But, mm-hmm. um, so we, we recorded Sad Hound's album and basically through a few different lineup changes and me being in another band, um, that we were going on tour with them. Um, basically Drew, who was in APALS, um, his, brother was playing drums in sad hound and i think he was getting married so he left the band and because i recorded their album i was already familiar with all their music so i ended up going on tour with sad hound and another band i was in driver's ed and i just played drums in both bands for that tour and through that i ended up joining sad hound um and basically like towards the end of that band. Cause I don't know. I drew who was in both those bands. He's like a huge metal head. So he was like very much into like heavy music, specifically metal. And Liam kind of like slowly, but surely was getting into like screamo and stuff. And I think that like, I don't want to like be like, I was an influence on them, but I was definitely like, Oh, you should check out this screamo band or like, mm-hmm. Ooh, you should t- check out this. Cause like, I don't know. I'm like, kind of obsessive about that kind of stuff like i don't know i really like like old emo core and like you know just like looking up weird seven inches like and i don't know like i like to think that i kind of have like an encyclopedic knowledge of that because i don't know i, I love screamo and emo and hardcore and all that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah. um you know yeah and it like, sounds like i mean kind of like a lot of folks you know i was the type where once you start pulling on that thread and then you just, oh yeah, you know, you just keep going. Like you like, like I, I like this band a lot, but what do I specifically like the way this person plays drums? Oh, I'll find out what other bands they were in. Yeah. You know? And you just, you have a spider web before you know it of like all yeah. this stuff. And yeah. It's so, like influence chasing. I always feel like it's like, Oh, who was this band influenced by? Oh. Mm-hmm. And like, you kind of go back and back and it's like, it really led me to, a lot of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and because we were, so like the band Sad Hound, it like slowly kind of started to become a screamo band. And we actually had an EP, which unfortunately never got recorded. We were literally going to go to the studio like the next day when we ended up breaking up the band. Um, but it was one of those things where it was like, we, like I was booking screamo bands um, Drew from a Paramount Love Supreme was living at a show house called the Golden Goat, um, which was like kind of a legendary Newark venue. Definitely disgusting, but like <laughs> legendary nonetheless. Um, and you know, like I 
because I was personally into that kind of stuff and wanted more of that kind of stuff to be happening around here. Cause you know, there was like, I was talking about the Grange before, like that whole scene really like died. And like, I felt like the DIY and the hardcore scene, like totally split. And like, it really just became like the college kids doing the DIY stuff and the hardcore kids were like, not. And for me, I was kind of just like, I liked both and knew people from both. And like, I wanted to be booking heavy bands and um, I think through doing that and like, like, I don't know, uh, through, definitely through doing that, um, we kind of, you know, in playing with more screamo bands, you know, and during practice, we'd be playing breakdowns and stuff and we'd be like, oh, like this is so much more fun. Like, why, like, why aren't we just doing this? And like, we all love that music and all were into that kind of music. So it was kind of just like the natural progression. And once Sadhound broke up, and we all just kind of like, you know, me, Drew and Liam are like, not only are we like, like they are like two of my best friends. Like if we weren't playing music together, we'd just be hanging out. So it was kind of just the natural progression. And Liam wrote the first few songs that I guess was the APAL's demo. And was just like, I have this idea for a band. It's going to be called a Paramount of Love Supreme. Here are the songs. And yeah, we recorded two songs in my parents' basement, like with a mic in the corner of the room. And we were like joking. We're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like someday like Zegama Beach put this out? Because, you know, we were all like huge fans of that kind of stuff. And like literally like a week later, like they were putting out the demo. And like it was like, kind of one of those things where like I mean to us like you know it's like you know on the scale of like to some people it's like oh well that's not that big but like for us like you know we love that stuff like your label like Zegama Beach like you know like like all of that kind of stuff is like you know we love that kind of music we're very aware of it we listen to it so like the fact that like we put it out the demo and like immediately we were kind of getting like a lot of feedback it was like whoa um and that was huge because like i don't know we were all pretty discouraged from like a lot of like the there's a lot of scene drama people getting canceled just like crazy stuff and like you know and i think it had taken a toll on a lot of us and like you know i think playing in a paramount love supreme it's like a really like positive environment because we all like love each other we're all on the same page like with a lot of things and yeah it was just really cool that like immediately like you know and larry records um eric from peak and like they were interested and like it just was really awesome yeah i mean you you went from this experience where it was like a band that was around for a long time and then it dissolved and fell apart and you had these songs that never even saw the light of day and so you probably were just like well let's just do this and see what happens. So it's, I always find like that's such a, doing your first thing or whatever is such a, it's such an honest like time to like, cause you're just like, this is what we want to do. And you don't know how people are going to react to it. You might be hopeful, but <clears throat> after that, that's when you can, if you let it, you know, you can start, start like, kind of like you can let your own past like influence what you're doing at that point which i 
feel like is is counterproductive you know what i mean but like yeah that first yeah. just like let's just do this and see what happens is the best because you're just like you're it's 100 percent just just for you and then the fact that people are like we we're into that is the most like honest like we're into what you're doing like um feedback you're ever gonna get because at that point like it's either people that have already heard you or it's um or it's a, a work that obviously is some reflection of what you've previously done you know whether it's like intentional or unintentional so i don't know i yeah. just i find that first bit like very interesting and very and it, it's i don't know it's kind of it's kind of like I kind of think that a lot of times that's why a lot of bands don't necessarily stick around that long is because yeah. is because it, it's it's it is way easier to just like um just switch switch up your sound a little bit and call it something else than to yeah. like follow up something that either people liked or or people didn't like or whatever. Yeah, because there's expectations at that point, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. But um, And I can, like, definitely get that for sure, yeah. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess so, I mean, <clears throat> you know, the demo, the demo did uh, come out in March 2019. And then, you know, we've all, everyone, you know, collectively has had, had quite a time uh, since then. But, um and uh like uh crisis meditations which i guess would be like you know that's that's your most like formidable work as far as like this it definitely feels like a complete like the, these are four songs that yeah com- are completely representative of like our band and stuff and um and then y'all had like a a four-way split and you released the song on the mist the stars um Mm-hmm. Uh, comp, um, but what um, have y'all been able to like? Have y'all been able to keep writing songs in one way or another? Like, what's next for y'all as far as like, you know, what you can talk about like release wise or what you're working towards? Yeah, so kind of like some backstory on like the dynamic of like what has happened over the last few years with APALS is like. We started, and I wouldn't say we were a band from, like, March until, like... So at the end of summer, I guess it would have been August of 2019, Liam, um, he went to um, study abroad in Austria. Uh I guess in Germany at this point. Um, He had done it multiple times. But uh, he... So Liam is, like like speaks fluent German is like, you know, I think he went there to start his grad degree. So even before the pandemic, we went on a hiatus. So it was like, kind of like we were going to take some time off because, you know, Liam was going to be in another country. And like kind of our plan was, it was like, all right, so like, we're going to see if we can like play shows in Europe. And like, you know, we were in the midst of like figuring that kind of stuff out and seeing what was possible. And this was like right before crisis meditations came out, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like around the time it came out and it was already recorded. We had recorded it a while before then. Um, and 
basically is like, yeah, we weren't a band. And then it was like, um, Liam came home for like Christmas, like great. Yeah. So a few months before the pandemic started. And like, I think we saw like, I don't know, we went to go see like Ostraka or something. It was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the one day that Liam was home and, uh, and that was when we recorded the two songs for, um, the split and for the, the miss the star sampler we uh it was like last minute there's just a guy that um like a local dude in town who had like a setup in his house and we're just like can we just like come down like real quick and record two songs because liam's literally going back to germany um so we did that and then the pandemic happened and liam was you know forced to come home and then none of us saw each other for forever um you know pretty much like any I don't know, like Drew's dad got really sick with COVID and like, um, you know, we all lost our jobs. Um, Liam, um, when he did get a job again was, um, in what he's doing now, it's, he works like a nine to five job, but like German hours. So it's like, he, I guess, starts work at like three in the morning every day. So it's like, he's on a completely different schedule than us. Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, we're all kind of just like, or at least months ago, we're really just like on different pages and like, like time wise. And it was really hard to really do anything. And like me and drew, um, would jam every once in a while. Cause like I said, we both lost our jobs. So we were kind of, we were definitely playing some music every once in a while, but not really APAL stuff. And all three of us like write music all the time. And all of us are multi-instrumentalists. So we're always working on different things. But, um, you know, recently since we've been getting able to play shows again, like, yeah, we've definitely written songs. Um, Liam is definitely has like demos for sure. Um, we, I think we have like a pretty good idea of like, what direction we're trying to go in. Um, as far as like performing those songs live, I think maybe we might've played a new song once or twice, but it's kind of just like, it's all kind of brewing, you know? Yeah. It's like, we're kind of, kind of taking our time with it. And like I said, we're, (laughs) we're still kind of like all on different schedules, which doesn't necessarily make it easy. And we, most of the time that we're getting together to practice, we're practicing our set. Um, and, um, I think that like, even just like at the time that we've been practicing again, we've like grown as musicians and like, you know, like we tuned a half step lower than we used to. And like, I don't know, like (laughs) just like even small things like, you know, the band is evolving and like, you know, we're, we're doing certain things different ways. And like, I mean, at this point, all of us have been playing together for like, in various bands for like four or five years. And like we, and like me and Liam, gosh, me and Liam have played in like four or five different bands together. It'd be hard to count off the top of my bed, off top of my head. But like, you know, we really like, it is something that like we have done in a lot of different contexts. So, um, yeah, I think that like, you know, maybe once things kind of chill out, my personal life has been like really crazy recently. Like, um, my grandmother like passed away like a few days ago, pretty suddenly. Um, so, and I just like got a new job, just like relationship stuff with all of us. Like really just like, I think all of us have been kind of having like a rough go of it. Um, 
So, um, yeah, I think once that kind of stuff cools down a little bit, we do have a plan to like, I have like this iMac mini that we want to use to like track some demos in my basement. Um, I kind of like, I live in like, I'm really lucky that I live in like kind of a big cheap house that I rent that has a lot of room for doing this kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, we have some plans, we have some demos and really like we all want to be putting out music for sure. It's just like kind of a matter of, uh, the logistics of it. And that was my conversation with Mitchell Bollinger. Thank you so much, Mitchell, for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks to everyone else for listening. Until next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>